Hello and welcome to Gendering Geopolitics, my short series where I have quick 10-minute conversations with women who are doing amazing work around the world. My name is Emily Prey and I'm a senior analyst at the New Lines Institute in Washington, DC. Today, I'm speaking with Nusrat Ghani, a British MP on the Uyghur genocide. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm delighted to be here, Emily, thank you. So right now we're in the midst of the 2022 Beijing Winter Olympics. Can you talk a little bit about how China is using the Olympics as propaganda and in an, its attempt to cover up its genocide against the Uyghurs? Well, the Olympics is always granted to a country for a number of reasons, but also to showcase the best of that country as well. Um, but it puts uh, that particular country and China under the telescope. And what we need to do is make sure that the true the true story of what the Chinese Communist Party is, is doing becomes clear to the rest of the world. At the moment, we're seeing the Winter Olympics, which in itself it seems quite absurd considering it doesn't look very wintry in a number of the extended shots where the sports are taking place. But what's absolutely critical to get out to so many people is the plight of the Uyghur, peop uh, the Uyghur people at the hands of the Chinese Communist Party. So if you're look watching the Olympics, I mean, of course, support your national country to come home with the gold, but we need to think about actually who put the sites together, who prepared the clothes that the athletes are wearing and who is sponsoring a lot of these events as well. And the reason I say that is because evidence is now absolutely clear and there's also been a determination at the Uyghur Tribunal in London that a genocide is indeed taking place. So if we understand what a genocide is, there are of course five markers um, of genocide, but if we understand that a genocide is taking place in Xinjiang and if products are being manufactured in Xinjiang and worn by the athletes and their promoters, we have to um, accept that these products, these clothing, these items of clothing are being made by the Uyghur in prison camps. So it is the most dreadful form of slave labour, especially if you um, understand that a, a genocide is taking place as well. Those are the things they don't want us to know as the Olympics take place. What we have been able to see is some of the um, some of the sort of the, the bruising relationships that journalists are having with Chinese authorities. Um, the Chinese Communist Party is, is very determined to have a very narrow perspective and broadcast from the Olympics. And a lot of journalists are traveling around the world and are used to broadcasting in a free and open way. And that's definitely not the case in, in Beijing. And what that does is explain how there is absolutely no freedom of speech, let alone freedom of movement for the Uyghur people, especially in Xinjiang, which has been noted as an open prison. So the Olympics are taking place in Beijing, but it's the responsibility of everyone else to make sure that they are able to present a true accurate picture of the plight of the Uyghur people at the hands of the Chinese Communist Party. So you just briefly mentioned um, companies doing business in Xinjiang and where our clothes come from. Can you explain a little bit about your efforts to expose and blacklist these types of companies who are doing business in Xinjiang and why it's so important? So I sit on something called a business select committee in the parliament in the United Kingdom. And in the UK, as in you know, European countries, America, Canada, Australia, many others, there are standards that companies have to meet and those standards um, are a basic moral and, and, and ethical values which is we, we should not have slave labour in, um, in supply chains. So I was trying to showcase that even though we have good British firms or European firms or international firms 
that want to promote themselves in the United Kingdom. They may claim that they have clean supply chains, supply chains free of slave labor. But actually what they're doing is omitting um, their relationship to the Chinese Communist Party or any of those um, factories in Xinjiang. Because for most firms, you can't even go in and do the basic due diligence. So you have no awareness of what is happening. Because if there were, or had access to Xinjiang and were able to do due diligence, they would soon realize that their factories were actually prison camps um, filled full of Uyghur people held against their will, producing producing items that they make an enormous profit on and sell to us in the in the West, uh, whilst also you know, at the same time saying that their brands are clean of slave labor. So I was showing how UK laws were being um, broken, as it were, and standards weren't being met, standards that we fully accept here um, in, 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 the, in the West. And, um, and I believe firmly that if you're in Xinjiang and you're manufacturing items from Xinjiang, you should be blacklisted unless you can show and provide evidence that you're not um, making a profit from Uyghur slave labour. My Business Select Committee report was able to showcase good firms and those firms that should be blacklisted and also how we can import, impose import controls from Xinjiang too. Uh, the UK government hasn't accepted the recommendations in my Select Committee report to manage um, these products or these businesses or, or imports, but there has been huge movement in the United States where they have put in place import controls from Xinjiang and also have blacklisted firms um, who have links back to Xinjiang and they can't show that their supply chain is clean. And it matters to most people, I, I assume, who are watching and listening to this. Um, like most customers, I want to make sure that I'm buying goods that aren't made by by slaves. And it's, uh, it's madness to think that slaves are being involved in producing stuff that ends up on our shelves here in the UK or wherever people live watching and listening to this. And it's important that we are able to expose, expose those firms that are making a huge profit on the back of Uyghur slave labor. And this is just one of many efforts that um, you're engaging in on behalf of the Uyghurs and to bring more attention to the Uyghur genocide. So what are some of your recommendations for further action? Awakens time in, in, in history that nobody would want to wish to relive again. Um, which is why it was so important for the Uyghur Tribunal, which was chaired by Sir Geoffrey Nice QC, he was involved in the Bosnian determination, to put together a tribunal and have the evidence that was needed for him to make a judgment on what was happening to the Uyghur people. And all the evidence which was gathered over a year um, enabled him and other very eminent judges to make a determination that a genocide was taking place against the Uyghur at the hands of the Chinese Communist Party beyond reasonable doubt. And once we know that is the case, then we need we need to act. And there's a couple of things that we're asking the government to do. There was a, a determination in 2007 by the ICJ, which said that if any national government is aware of an intent on genocide, it has to do a due diligence to make sure that it isn't complicit or is anyway profiting from genocide taking place. So I'm asking my government to ensure that we're not sending money to the Chinese Communist Party, which could be spent and exploit the Uyghur people, make sure we're not promoting businesses that are exploiting Uyghur people and then are complicit in genocide. And also to protect the British citizens so we're not purchasing products made from genocide um, genocide or labour as well. I'm asking the government to put in place import controls, sim similar things to what the American government has done from Xinjiang. I'm asking the government to work with businesses and businesses who do not have clean supply chains and they're linked back to Xinjiang should be blacklisted because the abuse of the Uyghur is now so 
so so wretched. Um, so there's a, a few of the things that we're working on here in the UK. Also working with our international partners, um, we're asking the government to sanction the people that are very closely linked to overseeing this genocide, and in particular Chen Kwango, who was responsible for running the prison camps in, in, in Xinjiang. And, and most recently, we're also ensuring that national governments are doing everything they can to protect Uyghur diaspora in their in their countries, because we know we know that the reach of the Chinese Communist Party is far and wide. Um, and there was a recent report that's been published today, which showcases the plight of Uyghur people in Europe and in the United Kingdom. And we need to make sure that they are protected. I highly recommend everyone go read that report that Nusrat just mentioned. And she, what she won't say, she wrote a, a piece in the Times about it today. And I highly recommend everyone to read that as well. Um, in our last minute, what would you say to Muslim leaders around the world who have bowed to Chinese pressure, whether for trade, the economy, and are not using their voices to bring attention to the Uyghur genocide? There's no doubt that national countries' relationship with China are very complicated. China is a huge investor in many countries around the world and is very good at inserting itself in, into the top table at international institutions, which enables it to leave for power. The, the fact remains that a genocide is taking place and we know from history that the perpetrators of genocide will eventually be caught and will eventually be sanctioned or, or face their day in court. And I think it's important for businesses and for national governments to be able to say that when we knew, we did our very best to ensure that we weren't complicit in the ongoing genocide of the Uyghur people. I know many people will, will say as a sanctioned MP that I have been brave, but I'm not brave international governments are not brave. The only people that are brave are the Uyghur people who survive um, the, you know, the brutality of the Chinese Communist Party and are prepared to speak out their abuses that took place against them and continue to take place against the Uyghur families in Xinjiang. Absolutely. It's, it's our duty under international law as states to act to prevent and punish genocide at the very moment that we know when it's occurring. And I hope to see more countries um, and governments come to terms with this understanding. Thank you so much, Nosra, for coming on Gendering Geopolitics. I really appreciate your time and thank you for speaking about the Uyghur genocide. Thank you.